Welcome to life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. Today, I'm here with Barb Kalor, the president and CEO of Resolve, the National Infertility Association. Welcome to life, love, insight, fertility experiences. I am here today with Barb Kalora. She is the president and the CEO of Resolve. And for those of you who listen to the podcast, they know how frequently I talk about Resolve. Resolve is the National Fertility Association. I think it is probably the largest organization in the world. I must say that since I have been involved in fertility, I think I shared this with you, it has exploded under your leadership. People know what infertility is. People know one in eight. People know, you know, what IVF is, or they're beginning to know what IVF is. So thank you so much for being here today. And I could probably talk to you for hours. So <laughs> well, it's, it's such an honor. It's a thrill. We've gotten, um, we love working with you, Lori, on so many levels. And you do such a great job of breaking this, um, this horrible you know, journey down into um, a, a way that really people can cope with it and um, and live and, and live a full life. And so we applaud you and your work and for putting this together. Um, and we're, I'm just honored to be here and share, share and talk with you. I mean, you and I can, as you said, talk for hours. So happy to be here. I think that your story is amazing. And so you know, very often you talk about fertility, but fertility is almost like a mirror reflection of life in many ways, because it's a journey that we go on. And, and so I think we could take so much from it. And I'm just like in awe a little bit of how you even got started doing what you do. So could you share that a little bit? Sure. Well, Resolve, the National Infertility Association is a nonprofit organization. It was founded in 1974 by a woman in Massachusetts. Her name actually is Barbara, um, Barbara Eck. And she is, uh, was a nurse and she was going through her own infertility struggles and knew enough, um, I guess, being in healthcare, the power of connecting people together. So she met some women in a waiting room at a doctor's office and invited them over to her house. They sat around her kitchen table and that was the first support group that started. And so in the early 1970s, she started gathering people around her kitchen table. And um, then in 1974, she incorporated in, um, in Belmont, Massachusetts, and she um, saw the need for it. And, and then they started um, you know, putting out informational flyers and leaflets and, and that sort of thing. Well, I, um, I'm the recipient of that because uh, when my husband and I were going through our own infertility struggles, I um, found a mental health provider, just like you, Lori, but here in, in the Washington, D.C. area, and she very strongly encouraged me to connect with Resolve, and she, um, she said, like, I, I think it was like my first therapy appointment, and she said, you would really gain a lot of value by connecting with Resolve, and I honestly, after two years of treatment, I didn't even know of Resolve at that point. And so I started connecting with them here in the Washington DC area. So grateful for all of the people that came before me that there, there was programming and um, support groups. And so for about the next year, I connected with Resolve. I gained a lot of value 
um, from everything I learned. Um, and at kind of, we reached a point, my husband and I, where we felt like we could make a decision on our next steps. And uh, we chose to build our family through adoption. At that point, I had been a consumer, you know, a user of Resolve Services. And I felt like I was in a little bit of a good place emotionally. And I'm one of those serial volunteers, Lori. I'm always raising my hand, you know, okay, I'll do that. So I raised my hand. They, you know, they had a newsletter. They were putting out, we need volunteers. So I called up. Next thing I know, I'm volunteering here in the Washington, D.C. area for the local folks for Resolve. And I did that for four years. Um, and then in 2004, they, um, the organization, which had been in Massachusetts now for 30 some years, decided to move their headquarters to Washington, D.C., they, um, they got some really good advice from some outside consultants, and they said, Resolve, you want to be involved in public policy, you want to have a seat at the table, you're kind of stuck up here in Massachusetts, you need to be in Washington, D.C. And so the board um, voted to close the office in, in Massachusetts and open a new office in Washington, D.C. They hired a guy uh, to be the executive director, and he hired me. Um, I um, had been a, a very active volunteer for four years. I was living here in Washington, D.C., and he hired me to run our volunteers across the country, to run our volunteer program. So I started working for Resolve as an employee in 2004, and my son was just about to turn four years old, and it, it felt right. And I, I, um, I did that and uh, loved, just really appreciated the fact that now I could like work in this work in this field. And then in early 2007, he left and the board asked if I would um, step in as the executive director. And at the time I thought, is this like interim, you know, are you going to like do a nationwide search? And they were like, nope, you're the, you're the new executive director. So, so I've been in this role now since 2007. What is that? 14 years. So yeah, I, I, um, I feel so honored because this was really just a passion of mine. Um, it's something that I, um, you know, I feel so much of a connection to our mission because it helped me. And um, I feel like I'm a mom today because of Resolve and um, built my family. And so I love what we do. I love every day what we do. Now, you talk about the work that we've done over the last many years. I appreciate, you know, that that you are are thanking me, but I'm just one person and I I sort of feel like I'm a caretaker of Resolve at the the few years that I'm here um in its long history. I mean, we're going to be a 50-year-old organization in just a couple of years. Right? So, um, so, you know, I guess I've been blessed with a phenomenal colleagues. Um, our staff has, has over the years, we have a, a really tenured staff, but we've had awesome people even that have, that are no longer with us. We've had a great board of directors. And honestly, I've had such fantastic corporate partners and individual donors people that like I are good friends of mine now after all these years of, of being here and doing this. So it's one of those, you know, it takes a village. This is a, this is an organization that has many pieces that make it all work and come together. 
it's just, it's a huge organization. And I think that, you know, we all need somebody to spearhead everything. And you make it sound so simple and it is a passion. And I think what happens is when we pursue our passions and the light shines down and we're able to now become an executive director or president or you know, CEO of this organization, it just shows the bandwidth of what speaking up and volunteering and working hard and knowing what you need to know can do. So it does take a special person to do that. But on the other hand, it does also show what raising your hand does. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, our, our staff loves to tell our volunteers, you know, Barb started as a volunteer. <laughs> exactly, you did start as a volunteer and it's just, it's an amazing story an amazing journey. And I do, you know, when you talk about the round table and the support groups, you know, every time you talk about these things, I love it because I run support groups and I've been running them virtually now since COVID. And I actually finished up a support group a couple of weeks ago and all the women got together after the support group um, to meet in person just so, and they all hung out, they had brunch and, you know, it warms my heart, honestly, because I'm so thrilled when the support groups stay in touch and Absolutely. I've had people stay in touch for years after the support groups. And I had this one story I'm going to share with you that I was starting a support group for men, which is hard to do. Infertility touches the male factor very often, right? They're finding it more and more. Very quickly. hard, very hard to get the men involved. Very hard. And there's so many reasons for it, even when you're using donor sperm or if there's a low sperm count or low morbidity, whatever it is. And so I was, um, I, I have men contact me every once in a while. One man, he really, really, really wanted a group. And I had somebody else call who also really wanted this group. And it was like a couple of months apart. And that's the challenge with the group yeah. people together. Yeah. So Anyway, I had I said to the two of them, okay, why don't why don't the two of you exchange phone numbers? But they didn't want to do it. They wanted yeah. to kind of coordinate it. I said, okay, let's the three of us talk. So the three of us talked, and it turned out, Barb, that they were both sitting in the same doctor's office on the same day at the same time, while both their wives were going for the same procedure, but they did not say hello to each other. Oh my gosh. Needless to say, I called that doctor's office. But <laughs> we have this need, this emotional need to connect. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. This fertility, you know, that need, I think, is so evident and so strong. And Resolve offers that on yeah. so different levels. That's, and that's what I say all the time. I say, look, we're about community, we're about connection. That's what Resolve is because you can't go through this alone. No, no, you really can't. And you don't have to. No. That's the beauty no. of it. You so don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah, about Resolve, they take a deep breath. You know, you were talking about, I know you want to talk about advocacy. And I just want to, just want to, you know, say that when I first started volunteering for Resolve, I, you know, I did things here in, for, for our educational programs and stuff. But I went to Advocacy Day back in the early 2000s as a volunteer um, and I, you know, there was only about 25, 30 of us and, um, we, we, you know, slept all over Capitol Hill. And I remember being with this woman who's from my area. Um, so we were together meeting with the same U S senators and congressmen and stuff. And she was awesome. And she was really advocating strongly and telling her story. And, and I found out Lori during that day her own parents didn't even know she was going through infertility. None of her fr friends knew, none of her family knew. And I said, 
you just told your congressman and staffers about your your journey and your personal story and yet you haven't told your own you know family and friends and so advocacy is one of those words that you know it's a part of telling your story it's a part of connecting with the people in your community and sharing what you're going through and then you know using also talking to them and and enrolling them and, and it's about building awareness so advocacy is not just about coming to Washington or going to your state capital. It's about using your voice and finding a way to share your story and changing the world because you know, you can't really change the world if you if you haven't started with the people right around you and your own network and then you grow that and grow that and then you're coming to Capitol Hill and 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 telling your story. So I I just want people to know that if advocacy and Laura, you love advocacy and you're, you're, if, if advocacy is scary to you and you, you think that you can't do this come to Washington thing, use your own network and your own life to share your story and to find your voice so that you are making a difference. Absolutely. Now, what I love about advocacy is the empowerment and the change. It's so empowering. I will tell you, Lori. I cannot tell you how many people over the years that, that participate in any kind of advocacy, state level, federal level, who come away saying, I did something that was positive, that was empowering. So much of infertility um, takes, takes that control away from you. Absolutely. People felt like I did something where I was helping. I'm in control and I feel like I got something out of it. Um, wow. What? an amazing, and, you know, honestly, we say that to people, we're like, oh, you're going to feel empowered. But, you know, we're so focused on getting the message across, learning what you need to say, making sure your meetings are important. And this empowerment is kind of this byproduct, but it turns out being the main thing for people and what yes keeps them coming back. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, you know, the word advocacy with you know, either your state level or the federal level, it, to me, it's much broader. It's go to the doctor and speak up for yourself. Yes. Yes. It's when somebody says right. something that is, is hitting a nerve, let them know. Right. You know, try right. and try and take that little bit of a separation or perspective. And maybe you need to take a breath before you do that so that you can, you can empower yourself to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. And the advocacy day, you know, quote unquote, is fabulous. It's empowering. And, you know, you feel the sense of community and it's wonderful. But then it's all that work that has to go on after. Oh, absolutely. And it's the work before. So I have been very big on also saying to people, if you can't make the day, there's still so much more to be done. Well, and, and you know, it, it and also if you're just doing the day, think about that may not be enough because doing the doing the day gets a message across, but it's about building a relationship. And I'll I'll you know I'll give you two examples. We um, two members of Congress have introduced legislation in the last like six weeks, and when they introduce the pieces of legislation, they put out a press release and they contacted Resolve for a quote that's now in those press releases on their US Senate website, you know, US representative website. 
And that doesn't just happen. We, we bring hundreds of people to Capitol Hill. These members of Congress now know Resolve. These staffers, when we call and make those appointments for Advocacy Day, they're like, oh, Resolve, we know you guys. They know us. We are building relationships. When they are getting ready to introduce legislation, who are they contacting um, for advice, for counsel, to amplify their voice? All of that is super duper important, but we need change to happen. And that's how you get change to happen because we are now this becoming this mighty voice. And that didn't happen because I was going down to Washington Capitol Hill, you know, every couple of months. It was because you, Lori, and all the people from New York and all the people from all the other states were choosing to raise their voice. And that, like you talk about community, that collectiveness, think about one voice versus 500 voices, right? And you start, I mean, we were in every U.S. Senate office last year. What? Are you kidding me? I mean, every office got a message about infertility, got a message about what our community needs. And that's plants a seed. Some offices, it's a tree. Like they get it. They're, they're totally on board. But others need you all to come in, plant that seed, water that seed, um, because this isn't going to just magically happen. You know, we don't have lobbyists, high-priced lobbyists, running all over Capitol Hill. Right now we have zero lobbyists. I think in some ways that's even better. I know it's it's based on the lobbyists, but it's there's something so um, impactful when you talk to somebody and you're not being, you're not a lobbyist, but you're just talking to them and telling your perspective and your story. And people listen. They really do because people connect with people on a human level. And I I do think that that's a big part of Resolve taking off and making a difference, that it's a very human connection. And in order for a plant to grow or a seed to grow or anything to grow, it takes nurturing and water. And so that's exactly to me what you're talking about. It's this nurturing and this kindling of this relationship. Absolutely. Make it bloom. So I- I Well said, well said, Lori. But when I got to go, um, I, I went to advocacy last March right before they shut everything down. And some of the people I were, and I've only gone to one in person and several of the people that we had appointments with, they had the junior people meet with us and they didn't even know anything about Resolve. So just to educate them and see their eyes kind of light up and listen, you know that you're making a difference. And so we could do that on so many different levels, even if we're shy and even if we're quiet. Absolutely. And the great thing about if you participate in Advocacy Day, which this year will be virtual, it'll be in June, it's June 17th. We train you, we provide you with, as you know, Lori, a lot of information. We, um, we've been recording a lot of webinars lately so that all the advocates can, can listen and, and get themselves feeling comfortable. But you, um, you're never alone. And in every meeting, you know, every phone call. So how it works virtually, this year is going to be a little bit different because we're hearing that a lot of offices now will use Zoom. Uh, last year, it was all via just phone calls. So because it was so new, we did it in May. And, you know, I don't know, staffers just weren't comfortable with like being on video and now everybody is. So that's great. So you'll get a chance to um, to, to talk to these staffers, as you said, some of them are, are very young. And they, they're the ones though that 
then bring the issues to that member of Congress. They're the ones that follow up. They're the ones that do the research. Um, they're the ones that really get to know the issue. So like my member of Congress, I, I recently testified before a committee um, in, the, in the House of Representatives. And I just, I emailed her and I said, hi, I just want to let you know that I'm, next week I'm going to be testifying. And she's like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know? And, and so um, that was awesome because now I have a relationship right with this, with this woman. So I think I that- did people testify though, Barb. What were you testifying for? Is it one of the issues that we're going to- Oh be yeah, for? oh yeah. It was, for, it was for veterans access to IVF. Right, and, and that's a big issue this year. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal, Lori, because I've never testified before Congress. Um, there were only two witnesses, myself and a woman from Paralyzed Veterans of America, which is a really well-respected veteran organization. And they drilled us for two hours. Wow. And it was all anybody in the world could watch. And Lori, you had a full committee of people talking about and asking about infertility for two hours. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible. And do you think it made a difference? Well, I do because the chair of the committee was thrilled. Um, the questions just were really good. Some of them were kind of crazy, stupid, but it was helpful because that's what we do, Lori. We, we dispel a lot of myths, right? Well, that's the most so, important part about talking. Yeah. So we were able to we were able to set the record straight. We were able to dispel a lot of myths. We were able to get out a lot of um, a lot of hesitation and and really just put it out there and say why shouldn't a wounded veteran have access to IVF? And so it was. Um, so they will vote um, later in the year. But this is the first time this committee, which is really important, has ever spent this much time on on this issue and um wow it was it was incredible yeah and our veterans need to have the coverage they deserve it they do a lot for absolutely yeah absolutely they- yeah it was so i think just the fact that here we are in 2021 and um you know you may think why why hasn't resolved testified before well now we we are and it's because of all of you guys advocating and making your voice heard and people are noticing they are, and it's great because infertility is a disease and people seem to not necessarily always recognize it as such. So having that understood changes the dynamic, I think, in very in you know very significant ways. Could you maybe share a little bit about the other bills that are gonna be presented this year or that have been selected to be presented? Well, we have so many issues. I think there's a, something like nine issues that we are supporting um, in Congress, which is like, a bounty of, of, of um, amazing things. So um, in our meetings, in those, in those few minutes that you have with your members of Congress, we're gonna ask you to focus on a couple of the bills, but we're gonna be sharing information on all of the bills. So we have, um, there are a couple of bills dealing with veterans and access to IVF. Um, and one of them also includes um, the military, so active duty service members. So those are two bills. Um, we have two adoption-related bills. One is about the adoption tax credit, and one is um, about a bill that would um, not allow any kind of discrimination in adoption, because right now there's some states that have passed laws that allow um, discrimination in who gets to be an adoptive parent. So we want, 
we want there to be no no barriers, no discrimination. Uh, seems pretty basic, but but we still have to fight for that. Um, there are a couple right. of, there are a couple of resolutions. So these are just uh, ways for them for Congress to state their um, their view on something. One is on a PCOS Awareness Month. One is an, a resolution on the state of infertility. It's it's very well done. A group called Hadassah um, put that together. And then we have, um, there's a uterine fibroid bill, which is a really good bill. And then we're going to be advocating for medical research funding. Gosh, Lori, it's just, it's there's a- so much. What, so really what I'm hearing is there's a bill that everybody can connect with. Oh, oh my goodness. Absolutely. I mean, the key bills are going to be medical research, adoption tax credit, um, veterans, and- um, uh, and then insurance coverage for for everybody for IVF. So we, you said it, Lori. We've got something for everybody. Something for everybody, right? And and knowing that and understanding that, I I think helps people realize that if they're not on the professional end of working in fertility, but they're more on the re the receiving end and the person with the diagnosis, that they can connect on that level with realizing that they're speaking up for themselves. And they're speaking up for other people. And the goal is that yes. you know, resolve these issues so that yeah. you don't have to be there anymore. Yeah. So when we look forward, right? If we look to the future, what what is the goal? What is the kind of end goal for? I don't know when with for us, we want to see um, there to be coverage, you know, access and coverage for everybody. So there are some insurance plans for the military, for federal employees, veterans that are controlled by Congress. And then for all the rest of us who don't, aren't under those plans, how do we get our employers um, to cover it? So our end goal is that we don't need to talk about lack of insurance coverage, that everybody has it, right? So, and then, you know, then like a lot of other health conditions, you tweak it and you continue to work on, on access issues, but it's not, let's get covered, it's let's, figure out how to improve it. Right now, the end goal is to get everybody everywhere access to, um, to care. We don't want to see any barriers. Something like the adoption tax credit is helping um, people build their family through adoption because it reduces some of those financial barriers. Things like anti-discrimination helps LGBT, people of different religions and faiths, marriages, get, get um, the ability to be a parent. So for us, we don't want to see any barriers. And those barriers are sometimes financial, those barriers are sometimes policy or regulatory. So our end goal is no barriers. If we don't have any barriers, then um, maybe resolve doesn't exist and that's okay. Nonprofits are supposed to put themselves out of business. We still have so much work to do um, and we need to get it done. And um, I'll tell you something, a lot of people don't realize even if they're not a veteran, they're not a federal employee and they've never served in the military, what you have to understand is if those plans cover infertility, the private sector a lot of times follows the federal government. Absolutely. So these, and, and keep in mind, Lori, these plans, each of them covers like 10 million lives. Mm -hmm. Active duty military, federal employees, each of those is like nine or 10 million people. You, you look at the private sector and they're going to say, hmm, Department of Defense is now covering 
infertility and IVF for everybody in the military? Huh, okay, maybe we should. That's how it works. And so this is, some people are like, well, I, you know, I, it won't impact me, but it, but it may. And it may impact the people who come behind you. And I think that's what a lot of us fight for. Absolutely. And it impacts, I think, almost one in nine. I know we say one in eight, but almost one in nine people. And that means that you know people who are going through this and struggling. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, so your voice is, no matter what your voice is and what your story is, and even if you feel like, well, I'm not a veteran, I'm not, your voice is so important. Your voice matters and you are making a difference. Yeah. Well, thank you, Barb. I think that's a great way really to end. And if anybody wants to get involved, whether it's on advocacy day or any day, or even just to start to speak up for yourself in your own life, that will all make a difference. And that's really what I'm taking from the conversation. And absolutely well said. Journey. And you know, our website is resolve.org, resolve.org. Um, come visit and get connected. And so if somebody wants to reach out to you, they should go to resolve.org. Go to resolve.org. And um, you can also email resolve, I-N-F-O or info at resolve.org. Just send an, in, an email and it'll get to the right person and let us know how we can help. Okay, great. Thank you so much for being here today. And if anybody has any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at laurimetz.net.